0: So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 7.54 a.m. Central Standard Time. It's the 23rd Wednesday of February 2022, and this is episode, Get This Shit, 550, of Bitcoin and 550 episodes. Man, I gotta I gotta give props to myself a little bit. I mean, 550 is a lot of that's that's a lot of content. And if you'd like to support that content, you can always do so through podcasting 2.0 if you just have to know. And you can do that through the breeze wallet. Yes, sir, the breeze wallet. If you want to use a good Lightning Wallet, I highly recommend the Breeze Wallet. I also like the Blue Wallet, but it doesn't support Podcasting 2.0, or at least not that I know of. Uh, If you would like to support the show with Podcasting 2.0 and you don't know what it is, it's the ability to use a podcasting app or a Bitcoin slash Lightning Wallet with a podcasting app embedded inside it so that you can stream me Satoshis directly to my Lightning Node and you don't have to do anything. You don't have to figure it out. You just use either like the Sphinx chat app, the Breeze wallet, or one of my favorite uh, standalone podcasting apps, which is the Fountain app, which has a wallet embedded in it, much like Breeze has a podcasting app embedded in the wallet. It's really kind of a neat deal. You don't have to turn something on. You have to use a podcasting 2.0 app and look for Bitcoin and podcast in their, in whatever search function they provide to you. And that's it. All you have to do is like, you know, like listen to the latest episode. And if you have sats in the wallet, uh, that you're using the podcasting app on, and they should be together. It's not, they're not separate. Then you'll be able to stream me Satoshis directly to my lightning node. While you listen to this show in real time, one sat a minute, three sats a minute, 10 sats a minute. It's minute by minute. And I can see them actually roll in to my lightning network node, and it's awesome. It's my favorite way to grab support for this show. But a lot of people are not comfortable doing that. So I do have Patreon. It is Patreon forward slash, oh, patreon.com forward slash, Bitcoin and podcast, all one word. That's Bitcoin and podcast, all one word. How do we want to start off today? Well, I, I'm starting to wonder if Canada, or at least the city of Ottawa, is going to be serviced at all by any delivery driver ever again that be, could be classified as a commercial truck driver. Sure, FedEx and you know, and UPS and you know, the uh, post, their whatever Canadian post service or whatever. Sure, their truck drivers are going to be duty bound to do that shit. But like, you know, practical, practically speaking, contractors and private contractors that drive trucks on a contract basis to deliver large amounts via semi of goods and services uh, to Ottawa businesses and whatnot. I'm, I'm not sure. I saw a tweet earlier today that said, now, of course, it's just a tweet. I get it. It may not be true. We may find out that it just is a bunch of load of bullshit. But if it's not bullshit, then Ottawa's looking square in the face of the worst supply chain crunch. Actually, it's a supply chain deletion it, that any city has ever seen. It, I'm seeing truckers saying that they are just not they're, they'll They'll drive goods and they'll drive goods to other places, but they're not going to service Ottawa. Could you imagine Washington, D.C. being excluded from all semi trucks because the truckers just they don't want to service it? Could you imagine what that would cause? So we're going to have to see what actually happens. But before we do, we might need to take a look at Bitcoin and how you can better explain Bitcoin to newcomers. That is from or going to be from Mario Canton out of Bitcoin magazine. As a seasoned Bitcoiner, are you not at times frustrated with the vast majority out there who are still not, quote, getting Bitcoin? How many more times can you stand hearing that BTC is too expensive and therefore Ethereum or XRP are better buys? It's an adoption curve dilemma. We're the early adopters, but statistically speaking, most people simply are not. A giant gap is created between those early adopters and later adopters, we're not communicating. We are not teaching them. We're not reaching them. And it's on us to figure out what to do about it, as the clock is, by the way, ticking. Those who receive cantillion benefits will not rest on their laurels until the middle class has been entirely wiped out. The longer it takes for the general population to become orange-pilled the more time the bad actors have on their hands to shove their CBDCs down our throats and finish off uh, what they set into motion back in 1913. So I took it upon myself to develop a step-by-step approach to more effectively onboard new Bitcoiners. My aim in writing this article is not to shill my clever little invention. It is to invite more intelligent people than myself to come up with an even more efficient methodology that'll put mine to shame. The more impact we can collectively have, the better. At least we know we have something to get the ball rolling. At the cost of repeating an overused metaphor, it's like peeling an onion. To get to the core, we need to remove every protective layer one by one in order, in the order in which they present themselves, and the first layer to address, according to my approach, is resistance to change. It can come from the person we are trying to communicate to or from their environment. Imagine you were in Detroit near Bagley Avenue in the year 1896. Henry Ford is riding his newly built horseless carriage, i.e. the first automobile. For millennia, societies have been using horses for transportation. Horses are deeply ingrained into every culture. Try to place a newbie you are attempting to enlighten about Bitcoin into that scenario. She's typically late teenager. From an American family of that era, her father has a horse, and so do all her uncles, neighbors, and so forth. As a matter of fact, she just fed and cleaned the horse this morning. She dreams about owning her first steed, and she can't wait to be old enough to finally get one. And now Henry Ford is testing this quadricycle in plain daylight in her neighborhood. She's, or he's being laughed at and derided. Freddie, our newbie's uncle, just shouted out loud, go get a horse. At the dinner table that evening, the subject is going to come up and the adults are going to have a good laugh about it as they gobble their malt liquor. What has Henry Ford done here really besides creating innovation? He introduced a paradigm shift into culture that exceeded the human tolerance threshold for that change. Before you'd be able to get through to the teenager that the automobile is the mode of transportation of the future, you would need to address the topic of change until she could embrace it and be immune to her entourage's resistance to it. The second layer that needs addressing is foresight. A discussion needs to take place in some form to establish its importance. And without it, one simply cannot explore the possibilities ahead. To help illustrate this, I like to use the hockey analogy. With it, I aim to convey that beyond possessing a table stakes skill set, you know, good skater, team member, etc., that in order to truly excel, a player ought to understand the game and her opponents enough that she stops following the puck around and instead she starts skating ahead to where she thinks the puck will be in a few seconds into the future. Next, I point out in the Henry Ford example, the dollar is the horse and Bitcoin is the automobile. And to the degree that she can and is willing to exhibit the foresight necessary to skate to wherever the Bitcoin puck will materialize, she and her descendants could end up in a better position to fare well in the event that hyperbitcoinization does, in fact, occur. The third layer to get peeled off is to address what is wrong with the current financial system, starting with a definition of money that the newbie can relate to with examples. I further explain that in its fur- purest form, money is sound, and that government intervention is not a prerequisite of hard money. I briefly cover the history of this, you know, seashells, uh, gold, and finish off by describing each one of the current financial system's ills. A. Fractional Reserve Banking B. Central Banking C. Fiat Paper Money D, the World Bank slash International Monetary Fund, and E, the dollar hegemony, and F, quantitative easing. The fourth layer is to define Bitcoin simply, but effectively, so it can be understood fundamentally and not merely as a digital currency used as a form of payment or a way to store value. The fifth layer is driving home the benefits of Bitcoin's decentralized nature. The sixth layer is to explain the full set of sound money attributes, including making the case against the idea that BTC has no intrinsic value. At this stage, I touch on the Keynesian versus Austrian ideologies and position Bitcoin on that spectrum. I take the opportunity during this step to introduce the notion of divisibility and thereby dispel the falsehood that Bitcoin is too expensive. The seventh and last layer addresses inertia. I demonstrate the fact that no one can truly run away from Bitcoin in the sense that the central financial planners will institute their own very onerous version of it, which will make Bitcoin look, in contrast, like the instigator of freedom that it truly is. Finally, we have to we have the onion's core exposed to us. Helping the newbie understand how easy it is to get off zero, as well as guiding her to navigate how to ultimately manage the asset in a non-custodial and very safe way. I finish off with painting a view of a possible Bitcoin future, as I touch on what layer two solutions and the El Salvador precedent enable. And I don't forget to aim to immunize her against FUD throughout the layer peeling process. In parting, if doing the above repeatedly with a number of individuals seems unscalable, then let me do the work for you. I wrote it all in a free book titled Taking the Orange Pill, What the Average Person Should Know About Bitcoin. It is available on various platforms, Apple, Barnes and Noble, etc. And here, well, that's the link to those places. Or as a PDF file here, so you can get the PDF file. Nice, nice. Remember, it's a free book. It's a free book. Use it as the free resource that it is and simply direct people to it. So again, Mario Cantin with the article how you can better explain bitcoin to newcomers let's move on you better buy some bitcoin btc figures defy canada government as etf assets hit record william suberg has it for coin telegraph canada's war on bitcoin appears to be backfiring as the country's flagship exchange traded fund adds thousands of btc data from on-chain monitoring resource coin glass shows that over the the two weeks to February 23rd, the Purpose Bitcoin ETF has increased its holdings from 28,854 BTC to 32,257 BTC, or about 11.8% increase. After a two-month lull, which its holdings actually modestly decreased, Purpose is back in fashion among institutional investors. The about-turn comes against a backdrop of what many are calling an advertisement for Bitcoin, the Canadian government blacklisting private wallets and formally trying to silence exchanges advising users to take control of their private keys, i.e. Kraken and Coinbase. <clears throat> the reason is the lawmakers' goals to monitor and seize the financial assets to, of anyone contributing to or even associated with those contributing to the trucker protest movement. Quote, Canada warning everyone to get their coins off the exchanges because they will take them is the most incredible advertisement for Bitcoin I've seen in my entire life, podcast host Dennis Porter wrote this week. Samson Moe, chief strategy officer of Blockstream, meanwhile took aim at the recent decision to keep the emergency powers that enabled the surveillance in force ad infinitum. Quote, Canada is a cautionary tale for why money needs to be money and not a tool for surveillance. What's legal or illegal can change with a hand wave of emergency powers, he warned. Quote, if you're not 100% sure you'll always be on the right side of those in power, you'd better buy some Bitcoin, end quote. Foreign crypto firms have already been targeted as part of the government's plan. Notably, United States Exchange Kraken and hardware wallet provider Nunchuck, the former over a single tweet from CEO Jesse Powell, And Jesse Powell said, 100% yes, it has, will happen. And 100% yes, we will be forced to comply. If you're worried about it, don't keep your funds with any centralized slash regulated custodian. We cannot protect you. Get your coin slash cash out and only trade P2P. I'm going to pause right there to express what, shit, that's the CEO of Kraken. Okay, look, I get that Kraken is is also a shitcoin casino. I'm not happy about that either. But when the CEO basically says, drain my exchange and do it as fast as you can, I got to give props where props are due. Jesse Powell is saying what everybody knows is going to happen. You know, and we but we don't know what the aftermath of all this shit's going to look like. I guarantee you this, though. Kraken and Coinbase are probably not going to be operating in Canada for too much longer. We'll have to see. But still, I get, again, just to reiterate, Jesse Powell is sitting there straight up telling a guy, get your shit off of the exchange. Because what I just read is a reply to some some guy who wrote a tweet about Jesse Powell. In either event... <clears throat> He's saying, 100%, we will comply. And if you 100% want to keep your shit for yourself, then you better get it off my exchange and all the other exchanges as well. That's what he's saying between the lines. And he owns a shitcoin casino and his paycheck comes directly from people playing in the casino. And that means that you have to have your shit inside the casino. And he's telling you to get it out. So again... Credit where credit is due. Jesse Powell, nice job, dude. Continuing on, beyond Canada, demand for Bitcoin from those using both retail and derivatives exchanges show a clear direction. Up. (laughs) Up only technology. Data from on-chain analytics platform CryptoQuant confirms that exchange balances have resumed a firmer downward trend in recent days and are once again at multi-year lows as of February the 22nd. The balance on 21 major trading platforms monitored by CryptoQuant was 2.37 million BTC. Cointelegraph has often reported on the trend, which comes despite Bitcoin dropping over 50% versus all-time highs three months ago. So, guys, get get your shit off of the exchanges. If you are using any kind of Canadian-based exchange, even if you're in the shitcoin casino at this point, I don't care. You've got to protect yourself. Get your shit off the exchanges. I don't like anything but Bitcoin, but at this point, I I'm warning you. I'm warning Ethereum guys. I'm warning XRP guys. I'm I I don't care. It's that important. Get your shit off of the exchanges, especially if there has anything to do with Canada or Canadian regulations in their financial industry or their financial regulation industry. It, you, you've got to do it. You have to do it. If you don't know how, reach out. Just go ahead and say, fuck it. You know, I, I'll, I'll reach out to somebody who knows. BTC Sessions might be able to help, although I haven't seen them around very very often. They're, uh, uh, uh TechBalt, at TechBalt, T-E-C-H-B-A-L-T, is Adam Meister. He knows a lot, and he knows a lot of people. If you really need to get your stuff off and you just simply don't know how now is the time to learn. And these people will help you. Uh, Bitcoin's use case strengthens as Canadian bank accounts get frozen. Now this one is out of Forbes and I don't normally read Forbes because I'm, you know, I've got, I've got four free articles apparently this month, and this is going to be one of them. And by the way, it is Frank Holmes contributing to this Forbes. Uh, History has shown us that the more socialist a country is, the more authoritarian it risks becoming. If you've been following the events of the Canadian trucker convoy protest and the Trudeau administration's crackdown on demonstrators' basic liberties, you know this to be true. The protests, by the way, are against so much more than vaccine mandates. At a time when countries are dropping COVID restrictions, people in some parts of Canada, most notably Quebec, are still having to deal with nightly curfews, restrictions on where you can walk your dog and more. Fines have been handed out to those who assist the demonstrators in any way. The prime minister has invoked emergency powers that allow him to commandeer banks and issuers, sorry, banks and insurers. Despite the fact that peaceful protest is constitutionally protected in Canada's Charter of Rights and Freedoms, two key protest organizers were arrested in the capital of Ottawa last week. GoFundMe fundraisers have been shut down and bank accounts have been frozen without a court order. That leaves Bitcoin. Although Trudeau can't prevent someone anywhere in the world from sending Bitcoin to protesters wallets, he's made it more difficult for them to convert the digital assets into Canadian dollars. As a native Torontonian, I'm saddened to see that the administration has resorted to treating citizens with real concerns and grievances in ways you'd expect to find in Venezuela, Cuba, and other oppressive countries. And for what purpose? Canada already has one of the highest vaccination rates in the world. Like many others, I happen to believe that the vaccines are safe (laughs) and effective, but in a free country. It should be left to individuals to decide what they put into their bodies. If there's anything edifying about this, it's that authoritarianism and capital controls can happen anywhere, even in common law jurisdictions. In the past, people used gold to escape oppressive regimes and sidestep errant governments, considering the daring story of the Vietnamese boat people many of whom paid their way out of the country with gold after the fall of Saigon. And today we're witnessing Bitcoin's use case play out in real time. Many called and continue to call former U.S. President Barack Obama the greatest gun salesman in America due to his support of strict gun control measures. Similarly, I believe Justin Trudeau will be remembered as the greatest Bitcoin salesman in Canadian history. As gold, silver, and crypto investor Mark Jeftovic said in a recent blog post, quote, it's never been riskier to not own Bitcoin, end quote. Unlike fiat currency, the digital asset is decentralized and cannot be controlled by any central bank or politician, making it a powerful peer-to-peer payment network. Why else are some lawmakers and bureaucrats so eager to regulate or outright ban it? Speaking of classic Bitcoin, you know, sorry, let me start that again. Speaking of classic Bitcoin, Gold had a constructive week on Russian-Ukraine tensions, which continue to heat up and jitters over a possible upcoming recession. The yellow metal broke out of its narrow trading platform as it climbed above $1,900 an ounce in intraday trading last week for the first time since June of 2021. Tensions have ratcheted up as Putin has moved what he calls peacekeeping troops into Ukraine. But as I wrote last week's Frank Talk, I still believe an all-out war can be avoided. Should it happen, though, heaven forbid, you may expect to see gold price surge and possibly test its all-time high of around $2,070. Here's another reason why gold could be rallying right now, and that has to do with that the fact that the bond market and what it's telling us. Going back to the 1950s, every time the two-year treasury yield has exceeded the yield on the 10-year treasury, a recession was not far behind. The last time such an inversion occurred briefly was in August of 2019, and we all know what happened the following year. Although there's no way the pandemic could have been predicted, an economic pullback was highly probable. In any case, if you're looking at the chart, you'll see that the yield curve may be trying to invert once again. Last week, the Bank of America, among other financial institutions, sounded the alarm bell telling clients it expects an inversion to occur sometime this year as the Federal Reserve raises rates to slow inflation and simultaneously the United States economy. With inflation running at a scorching 7.5% over last year, Fed governors may be compelled to hike rates more aggressively than initially planned, which could potentially shock economic growth. If you recall in an earlier Frank talk, I showed you that gold has historically performed well following Fed tightening circles. So now may be a good time to accumulate. I've always recommended a 10% weighting with 5% in physical gold bullion and the other 5% in high quality gold mining stocks and ETFs, a position in Bitcoin of around 2% may also be appropriate at this time. So here we go and this is an interesting article not because it talks about gold and bitcoin, but because Forbes published the article. And why is that special? Because of what the what this dude says. He's he is not being very nice like he says here. As a native Torontonian, I'm saddened to see that the administration has resorted to treating citizens with real concerns and grievances in ways you'd expect to find in Venezuela, Cuba, and other oppressive countries. That one sentence right there would get you banned off of several, you know, several different social media accounts. Maybe not right now, but I guarantee you earlier it sure as shit would have. And this is in Forbes. And I don't expect Forbes to be helping somebody to publish a narrative that is not looking well and good and happy about what Justin Trudeau is doing to his people. Because most people are just, I mean, I haven't seen a single United States leader come out and condemn Justin Trudeau for what he's done. And that's ridiculous. I'm condemning his ass, but my voice doesn't count like, I don't know, Mr. Potato Head, President Biden, you know, or even Kamala Harris or Senator Ted Cruz. Nobody said shit. Nobody in the United States government has said dick. And here we have Forbes publishing an article that has a, a sentence in it, at least one, that's a fairly freaking scathing review of what's going on in Canada. So I don't know. I'm not saying tides are turning. I'm just saying. I'm surprised, and it's good that we have this article about Bitcoin and its comparison, direct comparison, to historical gold. That's the comparison that we've been making for a long time. Just saying. Now, on to South America. Brazil takes first step to regulate Bitcoin. Namco's Bitcoin magazine, the Brazilian Senate's Economic Affairs Committee approved a bill on Tuesday to acknowledge and regulate the Bitcoin and cryptocurrency markets in the country, according to an official statement. CAE's unanimous, unanimous approval of PL 3825-19, a bill authored in 2019 by Senator Flavio Arns, but jointly crafted with the Central Bank Securities Exchange Commission and the Federal Tax Authority represents an initial step for a bill that attempts to create ground rules for the day-to-day usage of Bitcoin in financial transactions and as an investment asset. The bill also provisions tax incentives for the Bitcoin mining industry. Business entities that acquire hardware and software for the processing, mining, and preservation of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency would be exempt from import taxes as well as from some transaction taxes that affect local sales. However, only businesses that exclusively use renewable energy sources and are carbon neutral <laughs> would be eligible for the tax incentives. The bill also provisions tax incentives for the Bitcoin mining industry. Business entities that acquire hardware and software for the processing, mining, and preservations of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency would be exa- exempt from import taxes. Oh, good Lord, you guys... <laughs> actually that was my fault i started reading the exact same paragraph again my apologies i'm not as good as somebody like guy swan so i again my apologies the bill seeks to regulate the establishment and operation of bitcoin service providers in brazil defining such entities as those who provide cryptocurrency trading transfer custody administration or sale on behalf of a third party. Cryptocurrency service providers will only be able to operate in the country after explicit authorization by the federal government. The draft's rapporteur, Senator Iraja Abrua, told Bloomberg by phone on Monday that he expects the central bank will be responsible for regulating businesses providing cryptocurrency-related services in Brazil, though, according to the bill, the government will appoint which institution should take on that responsibility. Iraja said in the statement that the CVM should only handle instances where digital assets are used to raise capital in financial markets. The bill is expected to head to the Senate floor next as per a recently submitted request for it to be processed simultaneously with a second Bitcoin-related bill. The proposal would then go to a vote in the House. The last step before President Yar Bolsonaro, Bolsonaro can consider signing it into law. So Brazil on deck, bitching. Is it good for Bitcoin? Everything's good for Bitcoin. Is it good for Bitcoin holders though? Well, I don't know. And we got like almost every like it's just more and more and more governments are just jumping into this thing in any way they in any way they can. But they all have the same flavor. Regulate the living shit out of it. I hate that. Now, up north in Mexico, a Mexican senator to propose a crypto law. Quote, we need Bitcoin as legal tender. Helen Parts, Cointelegraph. Amid El Salvador reporting on cases of the positive impact of the country's Bitcoin adoption, a government official in Mexico has once again urged that the country should allow El Salvador's or follows El Salvador's example on Bitcoin. Andrea Kempis, a senator representing the Nuevo León state, is confident that Bitcoin should be legal tender in Mexico because its adoption can potentially drive global financial inclusion. The senator is now developing a cryptocurrency bill based on El Salvador's Bitcoin law. She expects to introduce said bill to the Mexican Congress this year. Kempis said in an interview with El Salvador in English, publication after visiting El Salvador a few weeks ago, quote, it is clear to me that financial inclusion is one of the public problems that few of us have addressed with feasible alternatives and that this type of technology is allowing us to generate an alternative so that millions of people can be included in the financial system. The senator went on to say that Bitcoin adoption is a historic opportunity for countries around the world to address issues like inequality and achieve financial inclusion, stating, quote, We need Bitcoin to be legal tender in Mexico because if it is not so, if we do not make that decision as El Salvador did, it is a very difficult to take action. Sorry, it is very difficult to take action. End quote. <clears throat> the senator also suggested the Salvadoran president Nayib Bukele could have started a Bitcoin revolution that has the potential to reach all countries. Quote, making Bitcoin a legal tender means putting a level playing field for people who are excluded in almost all countries, she added. Taking office in 2018, Kempis has been actively promoting the crypto industry in recent years, joining the Laser Eyes movement in July 2018. She has also been into the cryptocurrency industry for years, surrounded by a community of crypto entrepreneurs, developers, and enthusiasts, the senator said, adding, quote, now that I am participating in politics, I seek to promote it, end quote. And I guess she means Bitcoin. As previously reported, other Mexican senators, including Eduardo Milhat Hiranchosa, we're working on crypto-friendly legislation shortly after the Salvadoran Legislative Assembly passed the Bitcoin law early in June 2021. In October, Mexican President Andres Manuel López Obrador declared the country was unlikely to follow in El Salvador's footsteps by adopting Bitcoin as legal tender. Oh, you asshole. The latest news comes amid the cryptocurrency industry's growing momentum in Mexico recently with major global crypto exchange Coinbase, launching instant crypto withdrawals into Mexican pesos last week. Ricardo Salinas Peligio, Mexican billionaire businessman and founder of Grupo Salinas, took to Twitter last Friday to recommend the public buy Bitcoin and forget about selling. He previously advised people to buy BTC in late 2021, calling fiat money like dollars and euros fake money made of paper lies. Nice. Good job, bro. By the way, Nuevo Leon is is a state in Mexico on the eastern side. It does not border. It's not bordering the Gulf of Mexico. It's just to the west of the state that borders the uh, Gulf of Mexico and just south of the state of Texas. And it, if I'm reading this right, this, I think this is the state that the proposed big ass, you know, interstate from Canada through the United States all the way down to Mexico that's kept being talked about for years is supposed to go or is already there. I'm not exactly sure, but that's where the state of Nuevo Leon in Mexico is. Now, uh, do we need to do this one? We'll do this one after we run the numbers. CNBC futures and commodities. We have West Texas Intermediate down 0.12%, $91.80. Brent North Sea is down 0.06% to $96.81. Natural gas up one and a quarter to $4.55 per thousand cubic feet. And, oh, let's, oh, I just got an alert. said S&P 500 rebounds after falling into correction. Oh, the Dow is rising 200 points. We'll get to that. Uh, Gasoline, $2.71 per gallon after a tenth of a percent rise. Gold is down a quarter of a point to $1,903. Silver is down 0.09% to 25, oh no, 24 and a quarter. Platinum is up scant, copper is down scant, palladium is up, Ooh, wow, 1.78% to the upside. Agricultural futures are all up, except for corn, of course, which is down a quarter of a point. Biggest winner today looks like it's going to be coffee, uh, 1.74% to the upside. Wheat is up almost a half, soybean is up below a one point. And anything else of note? No what is of note however is the following when it comes to agricultural futures you can expect them all to rise why because we're uh, okay we're on the down slope of winter we're coming into spring and after mid spring you're get, the farmers are going to be out in their field burning diesel so we have a very very narrow window for this whole ukrainian russian mess to play out. And if it plays out poorly, then the farmers are going to be paying a shit ton more for their diesel gas and that they're going to have to pass that shit on to you, the consumer, unless the commodities market doesn't play ball. And in that case, you're going to see a lot of farmers who just hang up the towel. They're just done. And then you get price increases, why? Because there's a lot more demand for, you know, that's chasing a limited amount of corn because a bunch of corn growers went out of business. It's a bad deal. It's a very bad deal. So keep your eyes. If you've never been interested in ag futures before, I would start looking at agricultural futures and gasoline and diesel prices and start looking at the relationship between the two, especially when we come into uh, times like this. So it'll be all it'll be in the mid-spring throughout the summer and into the middle of fall. And that's when farmers burn the most of uh, their fuel, just saying. Also, it takes hydrocarbons is it takes hydrocarbons or hydrocarbons are are used aggressively to make nitrogen fertilizer, which is also going to be applied mid-spring throughout the summer, but not into the fall. I mean, after, you know, after a while, they stop fertilizing, but it's gonna raise those prices as well. I'm just saying, be careful out there, ladies and gentlemen. Dow up 0.73, S&P up 0.79%. NASDAQ is up over a point, and S&P mini is up 0.67%. Real money, is it bad? No, 38,900. Sometimes I get really sad when I hit this number because I try not to look at the price of the mornings, whatever. 252,000 transactions performed in the last 24 hours gives us 10,500 transactions every hour on the hour with 804,000 BTC being sent in that period. 33,500 BTC are being sent every hour on the hour on average. BTC is your average transaction value and your median transaction value is 0.015 BTC. Block times are low, nine minutes and 28 seconds with 0.5 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis. Eight BTC in total have been taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours with a, ooh, look at that, 12.34% rise in hash rate. We're up above 200 to 209.96 exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator is Doge, 13.4 United States pennies. 3,000 transactions are awaiting three blocks to clear. We have a $738.8 billion market cap, which is 5.89% of gold's market cap, yet we can buy slightly more shiny metal rocks with our one Bitcoin, of which there are 18,966,246.14 of. 3,450.69 of those are locked in the Lightning Network, valued at $134.0 million, being run over 2,000, no, sorry, 20,016 nodes, sporting 85,721 total channels. Uh, Those are payment channels, by the way. 76.0% of all of it is being run over Tor and it's 11,579 associated nodes. That's gonna do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. Frozen Bitcoin tied to Canadian protest lands at Coinbase and Crypto.com per an article by Coindesk written by Anna Betakova and Sam Reynolds. Let's find out what the hell's going on. Cryptocurrency tied to the Canadian truckers protesting COVID-19 restrictions has been on the move. In defiance of the authorities' orders to freeze funds, blockchain analysis shows fucking A, yes, That's why Bitcoin is here. This is why Bitcoin, ladies and gentlemen, nearly all of the roughly 20 BTC, about $788,000 U.S. at current exchange rates sent to the TallyCoin fundraiser is gone from that address with only 0.11 BTC left, according to blockchain.com data. Most of the 30 Bitcoin wallets identified by the Royal Canadian Mounted Police as being attached to the fundraising have been largely drained as well with only six BTC combined between them on chain data shows. Whether the recipients will be able to use the funds to buy goods and services remains to be seen, however. A CoinDesk review of the public ledger shows that four small portions of the roughly 20 Bitcoin raised, about 0.14 BTC each, ended up at two centralized exchanges, Coinbase and Crypto.com. It's not clear whether the funds were cashed out for fiat or frozen at those platforms. The situation highlights the limitations of a government's ability to thwart transactions through decentralized censorship resistant systems, but also the limitations of those systems to circumvent such sanctions. While the authorities cannot veto transactions on Bitcoin and similar networks, they have leverage over regulated companies that serve as the on and off ramps to those networks. Honk honk. Backing up in uh, recent weeks. Oh, see, I get it. See what they did there? Honk honk. Backing it, yeah, well, whatever, backing up in recent weeks, thousands of Canadians took to the streets in major cities to protest vaccine mandates and other COVID-19 restrictions. Dozens of trucks blocked the roads of Ontario, as well as various border crossings to the United States, filling the air with honking and bringing economic disruption. Oh my God, the horror. The nation's capital, Ottawa, found itself practically under siege in order to... Jesus Christ, it's a fucking insurrection. In order to disperse the trucks and protesters and bring an end to the week's long disruptions on February the 14th, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau invoked the Emergencies Act. For the first time since it was enacted in 1988, part of the act gives the government and banks the authority to freeze financial assets and accounts linked to protesters, without a court order or judicial review process. It also embedded police forces from across the country to coordinate and combine resources as they dismantled the convoy in Ottawa and elsewhere. As of February 22nd, 191 people have been arrested and 107 people have been charged with obstructing police, disobeying a court order, assault, mischief, possessing a weapon and assaulting a police officer, CNN reported. Unlike bank wires, transactions on decentralized blockchains typically cannot be stopped or frozen. An exception is when the smart contract for a non native asset, such as an ERC20 token on Ethereum, allows the issuer to freeze certain addresses and prevent any further transactions, as Tether, the issuer of the world's largest stablecoin, USDT, has done several times. In contrast, Bitcoin is not controlled by any central entity, so in case of a criminal investigation, authorities can only blacklist certain addresses and order regulated crypto services to freeze any funds coming from them and not let the money out of their custodial wallets. On February the 16th, Canadian police ordered that all regulated financial firms stop facilitating transactions for 34 wallets associated with the press protesters. The police sent a letter to a number of banks and crypto exchanges, Canadians, The Globe and Mail reported, but didn't specify which ones received the warning. That night, at least some of the funds were distributed among unidentified parties and later sent to centralized exchanges Coinbase and Crypto.com blockchain data shows, an address connected to the TallyCoin fundraising address, which the truckers had used to accumulate funds sent 14.28 BTC to 101 addresses in even fractions of 0.14 BTC each. On February the 17th, in a separate legal fight brought by locals affected by the protest, the Ontario Superior Court of Justice ordered that nine crypto platforms freeze accounts associated with 120 cryptocurrency addresses belonging to the movement. This means that if those platforms receive funds from the listed addresses, they should prevent any further movement of them. The list of addresses was provided via a MARIVA injunction, a form of court-provided asset freezing. The sending address of the February 16th transaction was mentioned in the Mareva injunction, but not in the earlier list from the Canadian police. On February the 17th and the 18th, Four of the addresses on the Mariva injunction list sent 0.14 BTC each to Coinbase and Crypto.com either directly or via several intermediary addresses, according to data from the Crystal Blockchain analytics system. It is unclear whether users managed to sell the funds for fiat at those platforms. Coinbase's Director of Global Policy Communications, Ian Plunkett, said that the firm had nothing to share on public transactions and accounts for obvious reasons and referred Coindesk to a blog post by the exchange's CEO, Brian Armstrong, on its rules for removing user accounts. Crypto.com also declined to comment. Centralized exchanges' approaches to wallets is sanctioned or blacklisted by authorities can vary. Crystal Blockchain's head of data intelligence, Nicholas Smart, told Coindesk, quote, First off, does the exchange have to apply the sanctions? This may not, or they may not, if they are not facing sanctioning market and do not do business there, Smart said. Coinbase and Crypto.com both do business in Canada. Okay, that's not a good sign. Quote, second, did they know about the listing and at what point did they find out, Smart went on, quote, this will change if they will stop a transfer and report it or if they simply will report the activity. That detection is also dependent on how good their transaction monitoring system really is. Regulated financial institutions are also subject to strict rules on tipping off criminals or others who are suspected of money laundering. So in that case, they may process a transaction and report it, Smart noted. It's a sealed box though. We don't know if they are or are not reporting, end quote. The global Bitcoin community has been closely watching the Freedom Convoy-related wallets and the distribution of funds thereof. The Twitter account of the privacy-focused Samurai Wallet warned, quote, it is absolutely essential that any truckers who received Bitcoin yesterday from Honk Honk Huddle do not attempt to cash out using a centralized exchange. These funds are subject to a Mariva injunction and violation of that order is a criminal act, End quote. On February the 16th, Tim Pastor, a digital identity researcher in the Netherlands, tweeted a video of a person coming up to a truck and handing a large paper envelope to the driver, saying it contained some sats, slang for satoshis. Which are small fractions of Bitcoin. Quote, eight grand of Bitcoin in there, says the donor, who then explains the envelope contains the recovery phrase for a software wallet containing Bitcoin along with a set of instructions. On February the 17th, Twitter user Nobody Caribou wrote that fundraisers for the Freedom Convoy, as the protesting truck drivers are calling themselves, distributed 14.6 BTC amongst 90 of the protesters. Quote, Epic P2P Bitcoin wallet airdrop, team of two, distributed 90 truckers, over 24 hours, 14.6 BTC. This was the most satisfying thing I've ever done and also the hardest thing I've ever done. Coindesk asked Nobody Caribou via Twitter direct message whether people had any problems cashing out the Bitcoin on centralized exchanges, but the account's owner hasn't responded so far. TallyCoin also hasn't responded to a request to the comment. A little note here on Nobody Caribou. I saw a a tweet from him earlier today that said that he has gotten help setting up a BTC pay server to collect donations for the legal fund that they're going to need to defend Nobody Caribou, BTC Sessions and Foss Greg Foss in case you're wondering. And it's a beautiful thing. So they got in trouble from using Bitcoin in a freedom providing way, and now they're going to get legal help in the exact same way. And there's not anybody that can do anything about it. Somebody somewhere is going to figure out a way to game the system. If, and, and by the way, do not use centralized systems for this kind of bullshit. This is why I Bitcoin. Sling TV is going to accept Bitcoin as payment. Who knew? Bitcoin Magazine, written by Sean Amick. Um... <clears throat> Sling TV, the cord cutting service provider that allows its users to stream over 700 television channels via its app, announced on Friday that they would accept Bitcoin payments through an integration with BitPay, a pioneer of global cryptocurrency payment services. Quote, accepting crypto payments for this OTT digital platform was clearly the obvious next step for our subscribers, the company said in the announcement post. Sling TV, otherwise known as Sling Media Incorporated, was purchased in 2007 by Dish Network, a company that made headlines back in 2014 for being the largest company at the time to accept Bitcoin payment. At the time, Bernie Han, Dish Executive VP and COO said, We always want to deliver choice and convenience for our customers, and that includes the method they use to pay their bills. Speaking to Bitcoin in particular, Han added, quote, Bitcoin is becoming a preferred way for some people to transact, and we want to accommodate those individuals." BitPay, which provides an optimized payment flow for over 90 different wallets, looks to bring the optionality and choice once spoken to by Sling's parent company back in 2014. But at its current state, the integration is only available to existing Sling TV customers. New users joining the Slink platform will need to provide legacy payment methods to establish their account and then have the option to continue with Bitcoin and other cryptocurrency payments. Customers will be able to prepay between one and six months of service using Bitcoin before the prepaid period ends. The customers will need to either make another manual payment to extend the prepaid period or use a legacy payment method to establish recurring purchases. If the prepaid period ends without another manual payment being made, Sling TV will default to the required legacy payment method that is required to be placed on every account. That part sucks because that means that if you run out of Bitcoin in your wallet to pay your Sling TV bill, they're going to start dinging your your credit card, which is not why I Bitcoin. I Bitcoin because it is a push mechanism and not a pull mechanism. And if you don't know what that means, it simply means if I give somebody my credit card, and they can prove that I signed any kind of agreement for goods and services. They can ding that card again. Now, if it's a good, a one-off good or something like that, they norm- that normally doesn't happen unless it's a scam. But like if you have set up like auto pay on AT&T or Dish Network or something like that, that they can just pull from your account and they don't give a shit if you've got money in your account or not. They'll pull, and then all of a sudden they get their money and you get a $35, you know, bounce check fee or insufficient funds fee, depending on how you want to put it. But we got better fish to fry. Empire Strikes Back. Bitcoin, Canada and El Salvador. This one from Bitcoin.news, or sorry, Bitcoinnews.com. Andy Savage is writing it. In the movie, Dr. Strangelove, Peter Sellers plays an insane wheelchair-bound former Nazi scientist now working with the U.S. military. He has an almost constant struggle to control his right hand, which tries to make the Nazi salute. And it is a hilarious movie, by the way. The bankers and their politicians remind me a lot of that scene. On the one hand, they don't want to prevent people from using Bitcoin to free themselves, but on the other hand, they use it themselves for money laundering and funding all manner of shady business. The ruling class see the worldwide freedom convoys being funded via Bitcoin now that they have taken away all other means of support. They want to stop this from happening. At the same time, Bitcoin is really useful to them so they can't just ban it altogether. It's a two-edged sword. Since El Salvador adopted Bitcoin as legal tender, their economy is booming. The president is tweeting out to millions of subscribers that El Salvador's gross domestic product grew 10.3% in 2021. That's their first ever double digit growth. And the full tweet from Nayib Bukele reads, El Salvador's GDP grew 10.3% in 2021. And now it exports uh, grew 13% this January compared to January of 2021. Are we looking at another double digit GDP growth this year? By the way, El Salvador never had a double-digit GDP growth before 2021. Despite efforts by mainstream media to minimize this news, alternative outlets worldwide are letting everyone know if enough people see what cryptocurrency can do for an economy, it'll be game over for the bankers and their lackeys. They'll have to get real jobs or starve. Oh, I doubt that. They're already fairly rich. They can probably go to their grave on that money. The power brokers are in a quandary. The very tools they intend to use to further enslave us can also be used to free us. We can use them to reach previously undreamed of heights of both physical and spiritual progress. Amen, brother. Amen. United Kingdom law firm becomes first to accept crypto as payment. Gunner Cook, a law firm based in the UK, has started accepting cryptocurrencies payment for its services. Uh, Scott Cipollina is going to bring us a bit of this. I reported on this uh, before. And it's not that when I reported on it before a few weeks back, it was that they were thinking about it. They were going to yada, yada, yada. But apparently Scott from Decrypt.co is going to tell us that they have indeed started that acceptance of Bitcoin. Quote, It's vital that we accept payment in this way for our substantial client base, which spans the entire blockchain and crypto asset ecosystem," said Financial Services and FinTech partner James Burney in a prepared statement. Quote, accepting payment in crypto assets demonstrates our commitment to and understanding of this important and growing community over the next decade. I expect to see a gradual transition Towards cryptocurrency becoming increasingly accepted as a means of payment, generally, end quote. the law firm is partnering with crypto asset exchange CoinPass to facilitate the exchange of cryptocurrency. And that's all you really need to know is that now they have they said they were going to do it, and now they're doing it. Gunner Cook law firm based in UK, allowing clients to pay in Bitcoin. Uh, What else do we got here? Coinbase downplays role of ad agency in the Super Bowl commercial. Let the sniping begin. Jeff Benson, Decrypt.co. Coinbase's QR code advertisement generated a lot of buzz during the Super Bowl. Now the company and ad executives are arguing over who created it. In a Twitter thread on Sunday, Coinbase CEO, Naked Mole Rat, asserted that the idea for a floating QR code came from inside the company after it rejected the pitches it had received. Kristen Carvalho, CEO of The Martin Agency, claimed otherwise, Quote, it was actually inspired by presentations our agency showed your team, she responded on Monday, citing presentation pages and dates in August and October. Cavallo has not yet replied to a request for comment. Lord have mercy, that is just brutal. I'm looking at the tweet right now of Brian Armstrong saying, oh, it was partially inspired by Reddit's superb owl commercial. And then Kristen comes along and says, no, dude, we did that shit. Oh man, what a bitch slap. Coinbase chief marketing officer, Kate Rouch, who took over the role in August, then chimed in. According to Rauch, While the Martin Agency was one of several firms to pitch Coinbase on including a QR code, the ideas weren't conceptually what Coinbase was looking for. Only after another firm, Accenture Interactive, came up with the idea of inserting a code in a popular meme did we green light the idea, she said. A Coinbase spokesperson told Decrypt the meme in question was a bouncing DVD logo meant to look like a screensaver. Oh, for fuck's sake, people. Really? You're... The question, here's the question. What good does it do for Brian Armstrong to say that it came from his own company? I mean, if they were going to get sued by one of these advertising agencies that said it was our idea, they're going to get sued regardless of whether he says anything about it coming out of his own company or not. This is ridiculous. It's a waste of time. So let's move on to... What else we got here? There's something better. Uh, Canada, yeah, Canada to host BitFury's new 28 megawatt crypto mining facility. This is Canada, and all of a sudden, BitFury's gonna, you know, not all of a sudden, but if we really think BitFury's 28 megawatt crypto mining facility is actually going to open, I think that there's a very there's a real danger that it doesn't because of the way Canada has been acting. I, I kind of doubt this whole thing, but Arjit Sarkar tells us about it from Cointelegraph. <clears throat> Blockchain company Bitfury announced the launch of a new crypto mining data center in Ontario, Canada. Oh my god. The new crypto mining center adds to the list of existing Canadian sites currently operating in Drumheller, Alberta, and Medicine Hat. <clears throat> BitFury pioneered or partnered with HUT 8 mining a Toronto stock exchange-listed Bitcoin mining company to set up mining operations across North America. The new crypto mining facility in Ontario is expected to operate at 16 megawatts by the end of this month. Good luck. Good luck. I honestly, I'm going to make a bet this shit never happens because of what's going on in Canada. And I'm starting to think that it very well may be that Bitfury pulls out of the deal. Who would want to deal with Canada at, a, at any kind of level whatsoever at this point when it comes to business or finance? They can just take your money. I mean, if, if, if you say something wrong on social media, oh, sorry, your bank accounts and corporate accounts are closed. If you drove too close to the capital, maybe they photograph your license plate and, and penalize you for and just steal some of the, some of the money out of your account, but not freeze it for a fine of potential protesting or something like that. That's where all this shit's going. If Bitfury had any sense about them at all right now, what Bitfury would fucking do is write a goddamn piece of paper that said, we are not going to open this facility in Canada because you guys are heartless, tyrannical, authoritarian thugs. And we do not trust you to keep your word. We do not trust your banking sector to keep their word. We do not trust your regulators to regulate anywhere close to either neutral or in our direction. And thereby, we are pulling this deal and we're going somewhere else until you get your shit together and come to us in 15 to 20 years. And we may, we may reconsider. If Bitfury were to do that, that would send a very clear signal to other businesses who are thinking, yeah, we're about to open up in Canada. Do we really wanna do it? Because it's only that. You can storm capitals, you can clog up cities, you can do all kinds of shit all day long and twice on Sunday, but it ain't doing nothing. The only thing that's gonna do something is people pulling their business out of Canada. And I hope Tahini's is one of the first I certainly hope Bitfury figures this shit out real quick. And any, any, any of the people that are doing business in cryptocurrency in Canada needs to shutter their shit right now and come to America or go to El Salvador. Why not? Fuck Canada at this point. They just, they're just gonna steal your money. They're gonna steal my money if I were to move up there, which is why I am never ever going to even consider moving to Canada. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. It's a good time for a joke, is it not? Well, I got a story for you. I tripped in France, Eiffel over. I didn't say it was a long story. I just said it was a story and it's not mine. It's dad's uh, dad says jokes as usual, because that's where I get the very best dad jokes. Uh, Parting words. If you don't want to support me via podcasting 2.0 or the Bitcoin and podcast Patreon page, I understand times are tight. I get it. If I can get you to give me your time, And to help me spread this show through Twitter, Facebook, all manner of stuff. If you can get like, you know, share the episodes, share the actual whole podcast. And by all means, if you can find time and the goodness in your heart to go over to iTunes and give me a five-star review, that really helps. It really does. And one of the things that I think, not just me. But all the podcasters in the Bitcoin space and probably the wider crypto space in general, honestly, what we were, I guarantee you, we're all seeing the same thing. Reduced listenership. This shit happened back in March of 19, what was it, 19, 2021, right? I mean, it's like, it was almost as if like, I was looking at my numbers going, yay, yay. And then everything fell off a cliff and my numbers like fell off a cliff with it. And I don't think I'm the only one. So it's not not just a plea from me to you to help me get my podcast out there through five-star reviews on iTunes and sharing episodes. You know, Guy Swan, the uh, Bitcoin Audible podcast is a great way to go. And he, you know, I'm, I'm shilling his podcast because he's one of the guys in the space that I respect the most. I'm not exactly sure that Tales from the Crypt needs any help from me at this point, but shill them too. Five-star review their ass. Send out their stuff. Because it's not just me, guys. We're all trying to bring you the news. We're all trying to bring you education. We're all doing it in different ways, and we're all using different styles, and, and we're creating a media company, and we don't even know it yet. Some of us get it. Insofar that they're we're creating, you know, somebody's creating like their own media company, and that's what they want to do. But I guarantee you, we're all probably gonna end up getting amorphosed into one giant, and I'm gonna say it, decentralized media company. It will be the first decentralized media company ever. We will have loose connections to each other, and we will have I don't know, we'll we'll probably have meetings that are like as to what is the trending topics of the day through how many memes of clown world went up. I don't know. It's gonna be a, a fair sight different than NBC, ABC, CBS, CNBC, and all that shit. But we are creating a media company. It will be fairly decentralized. It will not look like a general media company But all of us, me included, need your help. Any place that you have connections with somebody else, any social media platform, anywhere. Put like, if you got, if you want to print a QR code and put, post it up and it's like to my show or Guy Swan show or something like that, do that on a college campus. We need help because we're trying to help everybody else. That's all I'm going to say. I'll see you on the other side.